As most of you know, I've said it before, I grew up Catholic. And as a young Catholic girl attending a Catholic school, I remember quite clearly the Catholic days of obligation, where I was forced to leave class and cross the parking lot and playground of my school to the small town Catholic church for whatever service we were supposed to attend that day. No matter what the day, no matter what activity it interrupted, or even what the weather was like, we good Catholic children went to church because it was a Catholic day of obligation. Ascension is one of those days. This day appears 40 days after Easter, so it moves around just like Easter does. It usually falls on a Thursday somewhere in May. This year it falls on this coming Thursday, May 30th. And to a kid, even one that grew up in a Catholic school, Ascension was the weird one, right? Like, the other days of obligation kind of made sense to my little kid brain, right? We went to church to find, to celebrate Mary finding out she was pregnant. That's a reason to celebrate, right? To celebrate Christmas and Holy Week and Easter, as well as All Saints and a few other festivals surrounding Mary. But Ascension, that one was weird, And it was weird, I think, because nobody really ever explained it well. Jesus just floated up to heaven? I didn't get it. And after the pomp and shouty celebrations of Easter, it felt kind of like an afterthought, or at least pretty anticlimactic. I really didn't understand what this floating into heaven stuff was about. And I think... That question was one that I had throughout my childhood and, if I'm honest, into adulthood as well. Now, we usually miss the Ascension Day texts because it's on a Thursday and not many of us will come back to church on a Thursday. But we get a good idea of what is coming today in this Gospel text from John. This 14th chapter of John is a part of the farewell discourse. We have a few readings from this whole chapter throughout the church year, so you've likely heard either me or Pastor Chad reference this farewell discourse before. It is where Jesus sits his disciples down and tells them, I'm not going to be here forever. As you can imagine, this causes a bit of panic with his disciples. What will we do without you, Jesus? I I don't think we can do this. I think we get this feeling of the disciples. When things seem to be going downhill in our own lives or in the world, we often have this same reaction, right? We need you here, Jesus. We can't do this without you. And Jesus reminds them, and in turn us, that even when he's gone, we will not be left alone. We will have the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one who will be sent And the advocate will help us remember all that Jesus has taught us. Now again, as a kid, that was not super helpful. The Holy Spirit is likely one of the most complicated parts of our theology, the one people have the hardest time grasping. And in John's Gospel, the only one that calls the Spirit the advocate, I think helps by reminding us not what the Spirit looks like or feels like, but what the Spirit does for us in the world. John's gospel does not have a Pentecost moment. 
It does not have a story of the appearance of the Holy Spirit with rushing wind and tongues of fire. In John's Gospel, you have this promise of an advocate, a promise that we will not be left alone, that we will have a way to remember the things Jesus has been teaching us well after he is gone. And maybe as important, Jesus tells the disciples the advocate will continue to teach them that their learning is not done yet, that our learning is not done yet. It's important to remember that ascension is a part of the Easter story. This is what Jesus is leading up to in his conversations with the disciples today. And I know that Easter feels, at this point in the year, pretty far away. But we are still in the Easter season. So because of that, I thought I'd remind us quickly of what we've gone through, what Easter is about, using a video that I know I've shown before, but I can't resist showing it again because it is out of John's Gospel and adorable. So here we go. My daddy told me all about it. Okay. All of it. I have a game out there at my house, and it also records new games of Jesus. A lot of Marys came over to visit Jesus to bring spices to put in Jesus's tomb. They found an angel sitting on top of the rock, and they were afraid because they'd never seen an angel, I think. Where was Jesus? Um, he was from the dead. <laughs> Jesus wasn't there anymore, only the cross. So the Marys were like, how is that happening? Like, how, how on earth is this happening? How is he risen from the dead? Nobody's ever done that before. That's crazy. The angel's like, God did it, man. <laughs> so they were super shocked, and they went back to their to the other disciples. Hey, guess what? Jesus has arisen from the dead. He's not in his tomb anymore. The disciples didn't believe them because, like, they might have not, like, seen it. I don't know if Jesus is alive or not. Jesus appeared to him where all his old friends were. Surprise, I'm rising in the front of you. <laughs> Was that a ghost? How is, how is this person risen from the dead? Is he like a zombie or something? He was like, it's true because I want to save you guys. And I'm not joking about this because when I'm talking, when I'm talking about this kind of stuff, I don't joke about it. But <laughs> you are Jesus, so I think we need to like go back to like believing in you and stuff. And Jesus told the disciples to tell everybody the good news. He was alive because he he was magical and he said, "I've risen from the dead. I will return back to heaven, and you will too if you believe in." me as I if I am your uh, savior as soon as he was with his his friends and he was praying a fluffy seatbelt of clouds lifted him back to heaven he was like flying and we were all like what like all the all the disciples were like there's so many wacky things happening now what's <laughs> happening Easter isn't really about getting eggs and eating chocolate or anything. Yeah, some people think that might be what it is, but it's not. It's a miracle how he put himself in the world with other people, and he shared his gift with them. We honor Easter because we want to love him too. So Ascension is a part of the Easter story. 
And it's not just Jesus being taken up into heaven on a fluffy seatbelt of clouds, which I will literally never forget. It is how I will always see ascension in my head forever and ever. But in, in John's gospel, ascension is what completes the story of Jesus. The good news of Jesus in John is Jesus coming to be with us. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. That's how John's gospel begins. And then Jesus shows the disciples that being with us means being in relationship, right? That Jesus walks with us to be in relationship with us. And then Jesus teaches us what that looks like. And then he dies and rises. And that cannot be the end. I know it seems like maybe it is the end in many stories, but if John's gospel ended with the resurrection, what does that mean exactly? Yes, Jesus defeats death and he conquers evil, and that is very, very good news. But then what? What does that mean for my future? What does that mean for my death and the death of those that I love? Do they rise also? Do I rise also? Resurrection is good news, but it is good news that is followed by lots of questions. And the disciples have a lot of the same ones we do. Just before this section of John we have in front of us today, Jesus says to the disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may also be. Ascension matters because Jesus makes a path for us to follow. The gospel, the good news about Jesus is more, it has to be more than the cross, more than resurrection, but including Jesus making a way for us back to God. We most often think of John 14 with the way, the truth, the life text. We've made this a statement of condition. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We've made this into a condition, and so everything that follows feels like a condition. Like it requires some sort of statement of belief or saying the right prayer or accepting Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way. I make the way back to God. No one comes to the Father except through me because you all keep messing it up. So I made a way that was unmess upable. I did it already without condition, also without your input or help. Jesus tells them he has made a way, that he is leaving to make that way. And the disciples panic. Now, Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't tell them to calm down. He doesn't tell them they're being ridiculous or too emotional. He says, peace. Peace I leave with you and peace I give you. Jesus' departure is frightening. It is confusing, but he offers peace. And initially, this might seem to be like a light, fluffy sentiment to pull out on his terrified disciples, like a little pat on the head or God has a plan for you response, it can feel sort of patronizing and unhelpful in this moment. But in the time of Jesus, they were in what is known as the Pax Romana. Now I know you likely didn't come here today for a lesson in ancient Roman history. I understand that. But the context in which Jesus says this phrase, peace be with you, cannot be ignored. 
Mostly because when you understand the time in which he said this, it turns my peace I give you into a very different statement. See, the Pax Romana is considered a time in history when the Roman Empire was relatively peaceful. It was stable. It was not prone to being attacked or overrun or occupied. But that title, Pax, meaning peace, and Romana, meaning Rome, is misleading. The Pax Romana did not mean an absence of war, but it existed because, for the first time, all of the opponents had been beaten down and had lost their ability to be able to rise up and resist. The Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, was a result of fear. It was stability because of power and violence. So into that world, the Pax Romana, Jesus says, my peace I give you, and I do not give as the world gives. Jesus puts this subversive reminder that the peace he brings is not won by fear or intimidation or power or persuasion. It is a critique, a harsh critique of the social and political order of the day. And it should not be lost on us how relevant this critique remains to this day. Jesus leaves us this same reminder, this same sharing of a peace that is different, one that is not forced but given, one that is not rooted in fear and violence and oppression, but in love. And we come full circle in John. Because God loves us so much that God gave us Jesus. And Jesus makes a way. And leaves with a kind of peace that does not get rocked in the same way. I went and did a visit this week uh, with a friend of a friend of a friend. Long story. And it's pretty unusual for pastors to do cold calls where you walk into a room of a person you don't know, but that is what happened. I went in, met somebody who has end-stage ALS, and she is struggling. She's struggling with her faith. And through a slow, deliberate scribble on a notebook, she wrote, I am searching for peace. How do you respond to that? I'm like, yeah, aren't we all, right? Is how I want to say it. But also, what does the peace that she is searching for look like? See, I think what she was asking for is, I want to have a faith that doesn't get rocked by the things that are rocking me. And we talked about baptism. A place where we're going to gather today for Kieran where we will watch the peace of God being given to him, the peace of knowing what it means that you are named and claimed a child of God, and that no matter what happens, no matter what violence and oppression and struggles are happening in the world, that there is a peace that cannot be shaken, that cannot be taken away, that cannot be erased, that is not lost. I am searching for peace. This peace that Jesus leaves with us is not the same one that the world forces on us. 
Just follow the rules and you'll be at peace. Just do what we tell you to do. Don't rock any boats and everything will be at peace. This false sense of security and false sense that we are okay, that the world keeps placing upon us. We use this phrase, we're at peace, when we've made a difficult decision that we're mostly okay with, right? Mostly. I'm at peace. Or we say things are peaceful if our family isn't fighting. Or we say we had a peaceful weekend when we didn't fill our calendar with errands. But that is not the same thing. I give you peace, Jesus says. My peace I give you. And don't forget, I do not give as the world gives. Jesus offers this different way, this way outside of the Pax Romana, and then says, you're going to need some help because the world will not give you this kind of peace, but I will not leave you alone to struggle in it. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the third time in John's 14th chapter where Jesus says that exact phrase. Yes, I'm going away, but you won't be alone. We feel like we've heard this before. It seems like a circular speech, but it is a promise he keeps reiterating because we keep needing to hear it. Part of our Lutheran liturgy is passing of the peace. The thing I grew up with as a Catholic kid, and there is something powerful about it. We don't do it too often around here. We say good morning to each other. Uh, and obviously that means if I'm talking about it right now, you know I'm going to make you do it, right? So we're going to do it today. So some of you might say we kind of do this when we say good morning, right? Like good morning, good morning, good morning. But it's not the same. It's not the same. When you shake someone's hand, or if you don't want to, if you're Jeremy, you don't want to touch somebody's hand, that's fine. If you look at them, you look them in the eyes, and you say, peace be with you, it matters. It's a recognition of the peace of Christ being shared in direct opposition to the peace that the world is trying to force upon us. It's the peace that Christ brings. So we are going to pass the peace this morning. We're going to move around, not be afraid to leave our little section of the room, and we are going to look at each other in the eyes, and we are going to say, the peace of Christ be upon you. Peace be with you. Peace. Knowing what a gift this is that we are sharing with each other. And all through-